Chapter Five of the Story of Red Feather by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: A Strange Visit, Ominous Signs. Melville Clarendon went up the short stairs three steps at a time, startled as much by the call of his sister as by anything that had taken place since the siege of the cabin began. As he entered the room, he saw Dot sitting up in bed and staring wonderingly at the shivered window glass particles of which lay all around. "'Oh, Mel,' said she, "'Papa will scold you for doing that. How came you to do it?' "'It was the bad Indians who fired through the window at me, and I fired at them. You were sleeping so soundly that you only half awoke. But you must keep still a few minutes longer.' "'I thought that was you on the roof,' she added in a lower voice. That there was someone overhead was certain. The rasping sound of a person moving carefully along the peak of the roof was audible. The lad understood the meaning of that which puzzled him when he was on the lower floor. One of the warriors was carefully climbing the chimney, a task not difficult because of its rough, uneven formation. The significance of such a strange act remained to be seen. It appeared unlikely that any of the Sioux were daring enough to attempt a descent of the chimney— but that such was really his purpose became clear within the following minute. The Indian, after making his way a short distance along the peak, returned to the chimney, where, from the noises which reached the listening ones, it was manifest that he was actually making his way down the flue, broad enough to admit the passage of a larger body than himself. "'I won't be caught foul this time,' said Millville, turning to descend the stairs again. "'Dot, stay where you are on the bed till I come back or call to you.' She promised to obey, and there could be no doubt that she would do so. "'They must think I'm stupid,' muttered the youth, taking his position in the middle of the room, with his rifle cocked and ready for instant use. "'But they will find out the idiot is someone else.' He had not long to wait when in the large open space at the back of the stove appeared a pair of moccasins groping vaguely about for support. The pipe from the stove, instead of passing directly up the chimney, entered it by means of an elbow. Had it been otherwise, the daring warrior would have found himself in a bad fix on arriving at the bottom. It would have been idle for the young man standing on the watch to fire at the feet or legs, and he waited an instant when the Indian dropped lightly on his feet, and, without the least hesitation, stepped forward in the apartment and confronted Melville. The latter was dumbfounded for the first glance at his face showed that he was the chieftain Redfeather, the Indian whom, of all the others, he least expected to see. The act of the savage was without any possible explanation to the astonished youth, who, recoiling a step, stared at him and uttered the single exclamation, "'Redfeather?' "'Howly do, brother,' was the salutation of the Sioux, whose dusky face showed just the faintest smile." Redfeather's descent of the chimney had not been without some disagreeable features. His blanket and garments, never very tidy, were covered with soot, enough of which had got on his face to suggest that he had adopted the usual means of his people to show they were on the warpath. His knife and tomahawk were thrust in his girdle at his waist, and throughout this laborious task he had held his rifle fast so that he was fully armed. Howly do he repeated, extending his hand, which Melville was too prudent to accept. No, he replied, compressing his lips and keeping his finger on the trigger of his gun. Red Feather speaks with a double tongue. He is not our friend. 
Red feather been bad engine. Want white folks scalp. Don't want em now. Little papoose pray to great spirit. Dad make red feather feel bad. He have papoose. He love engine papoose. Love white papoose. Much love white papoose. This remark shed light upon the singular incident. To Melville, it was a mystery beyond understanding that any person could look upon the sweet, innocent face of Dot without loving her. Knowing how vile an Indian Redfeather had been, it was yet a question with the youth whether he could find it in his heart to wish ill to his wee bit of a sister. Was it unreasonable, therefore, to believe that this savage warrior had been touched by the sight of the little one on her knees with her hands clasped in prayer, and by her eagerness to keep away all harm from him? This theory helped to explain what took place after the release of Redfeather from his odd imprisonment. The five warriors whom he had brought with him upon his raid must have combated his proposal to leave the children unharmed. In the face of his savage, overbearing disposition, they had fought his wish to keep the pledge to them, while he as firmly insisted upon its fulfillment. But if such were the fact, how could his descent of the chimney be explained? Melville did not try to explain it, for he had no time just then to speculate upon it. The explanation would come shortly. The youth, however, was too wise to act upon that which he hoped was the truth. He had retreated nearly to the other side of the room, where he maintained the same defiant attitude as at first. Redfeather read the distrust in his face and manner. With a deliberation that was not lacking in dignity, he walked slowly to the corner of the apartment, Melville closely following him with his eye, and leaned his gun against the logs. Then he drew his knife and tomahawk from his girdle, and threw them on the floor beside the more valuable weapon. With that done, he moved back to the fireplace, folded his arms, and, fixing his black eyes on the countenance of the lad, repeated, "'Redfeather friend of white folk!' "'I believe you,' responded Melville, carefully letting down the hammer of his rifle and resting the stock on the floor. "'Now I am glad to shake hands with you.' A broader smile than before lit up the dusky face as the chief warmly pressed the hand of the youth, who felt just a little trepidation when their palms met. "'Where papoose?' asked Redfeather, looking suggestively at the steps leading to the upper story. "'Dot!' called Melville. "'Come down here! Someone wants to see you!' The patter of feet was heard, and the next instant the little one came tripping down the stairs with her doll clasped by one arm to her breast. "'Redfeather is a good Indian now, and he wants to shake hands with you.' With a faint blush and a sweet smile, Dot ran across the floor and held out her tiny hand. The chieftain stooped, and not only took the palm of the little girl, but placed each of his own under her shoulders and lifted her from the floor. Straightening up, he touched his dusky lips to those of the innocent one, murmuring with a depth of emotion which cannot be described. Redfeather love white papoose. She make him good engine. He be her friend, always. The chieftain touched his lips but once to those of the little one, who showed no hesitation in accepting the salute. Pure, innocent, and good herself, she had not yet learned how evil the human heart may become. Not only did she receive the salute willingly, but threw her free arms around the neck of the Indian and gave him a kiss. "'Redfeather, what made you come down the chimney?' questioned Melville when the Indian had released his sister. "'Can't come other way.' 
was the instant response. True, but why do you want to enter this house? Be friend of white folk, come tell em. I'm sure of that, but what can you do for us? Redfeather gave no direct answer to this question, but walked upstairs. As he did so, he left every one of his weapons on the lower floor, and by a glance cast over his shoulder expressed the wish that the brother and sister should follow him. They did so, Dot tripping ahead, while Melville retained his weapons. Reaching the upper floor, the Sioux walked directly to the window through which the shots had come that shattered the two panes of glass. There was a curious smile on his swarthy face as he pointed at the pane on the left and said, Redfeather fire, dot. The explanation of his remark was that had Melville kept his face in front of the window at the moment the rifles were discharged, only one of the bullets would have hit him, and that would have been the one which Redfeather did not fire. The shot which he sent into the apartment, and which filled the youth with so much indignation, had been fired for the purpose of making the other warriors believe the chieftain was as bitter an enemy of the brother and sister as he was of all white people. Having convinced his followers on this point, he made his position still stronger with them by declaring his purpose of descending the chimney, and having it out with them, or rather with the lad, within the building. Redfeather peered out of the window, taking care that none of his warriors saw him, though they must have felt a strong curiosity to learn the result of his strange effort to overcome the little garrison. Melville supposed that he had arranged to communicate with them by signal, for the result of this attempt must be settled quickly. The youth took the liberty of peeping forth from the other window on the same side of the house. Only two of the Sioux were in their field of vision, and their actions did not show that they felt much concern for their chief. They were mounted on their horses and riding at a walk towards the elevations from which Redfeather had waved his blanket to the brother and sister when on the other side of the stream. Melville's first thought was that they had decided to leave the place, but that hope was quickly dispelled by the actions of the warriors. At the highest point of the hill they checked their ponies and sat for a minute gazing fixedly to the northward in the direction of the settlement. "'They're looking for our friends,' thought the youth but I am afraid they will not be in sight for a good while to come. At this juncture, one of the warriors deliberately rose to a standing position on the back of his pony and turned his gaze toward the westward. Now they're looking for their friends, was the correct conclusion of Melville, and I am afraid they see them. Yes, there is no doubt of it. The warrior, in assuming his delicate position, passed his rifle to his companion, whose horse was beside him, then, with his two hands free, he drew his blanket from around his shoulders and began waving it, as Redfeather had done earlier in the day. Melville glanced across at Redfeather, who was attentively watching the performance. He saw the countenance grow more forbidding, while a scowl settled on his brow. It was easy to translate all this. The Sioux had caught sight of some of their friends and signaled them. This would not have been done had there not been some person or persons to observe it. The party which the chieftain had described as being in the Muddy Creek country must have changed their course and hastened to join Redfeather and the smaller party. If such were the fact, they would arrive on the spot within a brief space of time. The interesting question arose whether, in the event of such a rival and the attack that was sure to follow, Redfeather would come out as open defender of the children against his own people. Had there been only the five original warriors, 
he might have played a part something akin to neutrality, on the ground that his descent of the chimney had turned out ill for him, and being caught at disadvantage, he was held idle under the threat of instant death. Still further, it might have been his province to assume the character of hostage, and thus to defeat the overthrow of the couple by the Sioux. But the arrival of the larger party would change everything. Among the Muddy Creek band, there were several who disliked Redfeather intensely enough to be glad of a chance to help his discomfiture. He had agreed that, in the event of his surprising the lad who was making such a brave defense, he would immediately appear at the front window and announce it, after which he would unbar the door and admit the warriors to the last scene of all. Several minutes had now passed, and no such announcement was made. The other three Sioux were lingering near the building, waiting the signal which came not. While the two were engaged on the crest of the hill, the others suddenly came round in front of the house. They were on foot, and looked inquiringly at the windows, as if at a loss to understand the cause of the silence. Redfeather instantly drew back, and said in a low voice to Melville, "'Speak to Injun. Dem dink Redfeather lose scalp.' Grasping the situation, the youth showed himself at the window, where the Sioux were sure to see him, and uttered a tantalizing shout. "'Let the Sioux send more of their warriors down the chimney!' he called out. "'The white youth is waiting for them that he may take their scalps!' This was followed by another shout, as the lad withdrew beyond reach of a rifle ball, that left no doubt of its meaning on the minds of the astounded warriors. End of chapter 5